Golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get my way. The boys and me got big nass are going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on ESPN 1080. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Your host, Holly G, and our special guest tonight, sitting in for Rich B, the one, the only PGA club professional of Orlando, <laughs> Jay Golden. Well, thank you very much. And I actually, I'm not a club pro, but I teach at Winter Pines Golf Course. And, and Holly, when you say that I'm special, could you be a little more specific? Well, Jay, we know that you are one of the most eclectic people eclectic? in golf. Eclectic? I don't know what that means, but if it's good, I like it. From your teaching to your stand-up shows and comedy and your art in golf, well, Vincent Van Golf, we know you for. You know, I recently did a show at my mother's assisted living facility in Seattle, and I, I introduced myself. You know, I said, hello, everyone. Great to be here. And they had no reaction. I said, do you know who I am? And someone yelled out, if you don't know who you are, go to the front desk. They'll tell you your name. You know what? I've spent a little too much time in senior facilities the past few months, so I know exactly what you're saying. Oh, my gosh. So um, what, what's up out at Winter Pines? I know, um, you know you teach a lot of the pros that are coming through, and there's some Central Florida people you've been keeping your eye on. There is. You know, uh, first of all, Winter Pines, if you want to get back to the old days of golf where the prices are inexpensive and it's a good course and, and the ball, golf range balls and this and that, Winter Pines is really a great place to play right in Winter Park. But, uh, you know, Ted Potter, I know Ted Potter for about 10 years, and I've been around him, and I've given him some putting tips and worked on his swing a little bit here and there. But but I'm always friendly with him. And after he won, he won, uh, was it three weeks ago with Greenbrier? And so 10 minutes after he won, I know his cell phone is not going to be on. So I call his cell phone after he won. I go, Ted You have no chance of winning unless you work with me, with me coaching you. You have no chance of winning. And I hang up. Perfect. (laughs) Ten minutes after he wins. Holy mackerel. A million dollars, two-year exemption. That thing could be worth $3 million for someone that lives in Ocala and plays golf with horses his whole life. He explodes out of hay, out of the barn. And here he is, 50th on the money list, million dollars. Wow. Shows, just shows the depth on tour, Jay, as we talk about week to week. And, um, you know, even this RBC tournament this past week, Scott Piercy, congratulations to him. But it's, you know, key, the PGA Championship next week. That guy's walking in. He's got a chance to play for his first major. You know, everyone has a ch- These days, you know, people say, who do you think is going to win? That's like the big topic. Who do you think is going to win? When I say to someone, who do you think is going to win? And then I'll say to them, when was the last time you picked a winner? Oh, like seven years ago. It's, except when Tiger was hot, how could you pick a winner? There is so much talent. All you have to do is get hot. It's your week. 
there's 100 guys that could win any week. Well, we've had to get out the Golf Insider Ouija board a few times to pick for the majors, and I don't think any of us have won the jackpot. <laughs> and, um, you know, how about a, a couple weeks ago when the uh, the betting house actually gave the money back to the poor people who had bet on Adam Scott? They felt so bad for him. Is that I think the it truth? Was, I think it was actually a house based in Australia, which would make sense since he's an Aussie. But, um, you know, when was the last time you heard that? You know, but I've, I've watched Adam Scott and the way that he controlled his driver and the way he controlled everything and even the four holes that he bogeyed coming in, like he said, I hit one bad shot on each hole and that's all it takes to make a bogey. But he, he, he deserved to win. Uh, Ernie Els kind of backed in. I'm glad I like them both. Ernie Els has always been nice to me and, and my son Jeff at the U.S. Open when Jeff played in it, whatever. But talk, just talking about the British Open, Tiger, you know, did Tiger deserve to win? To me, a, a major, you try to bring out the best player. And if someone can't control a driver, if you're hitting a three iron on every par four, Adam Scott hitting driver, driver, driver down the middle, Tiger hitting three iron, three iron, three iron, 190 from the hole, you don't deserve to win. If you can't control a driver, you don't deserve to win a major, in my opinion. Well, and I think, as a lot of people have pointed out, um, you know, aside for a few of his, um, you know, made-for-TV uh, reel uh, chip shots that have gone in, including the one at Muirfield, you know, his, his uh, short game's been a little suspect. And we saw that a little bit in the bunker action on six, where he took that triple bogey. And he did sink a bunker shot, but... Uh, you see what happens when I see someone with a great golf swing. I, the first thing I say to myself, this guy can't putt. Because to get a great golf swing, you have to practice so much, so much. And I couldn't understand this, Tiger as well as a lot of other guys. Dave Peltz, the NASA scientist who gave up NASA for something more, much more important in life, which is teaching putting. Anyhow, he did a million experiments, and he said that the best chance for a putt to go in if it has a speed of going 18 inches past the hole. How many putts did Tiger, as well as the other guys, hit that ended up exactly hole high? Why? Because they're afraid of blowing it four feet past and missing coming back. How about hitting it? 18 inches past the hole. If every one of Tiger's putts was the speed of 18 inches past the hole, I think he would have made a minimum of six more putts. Well, we're going to go to uh, our main man right now, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com, who is out at Akron for the Bridgestone Invitational. And uh, he had a piece this week on Adam Scott and how his recovery process is going. Hey, Bob, you with us? Yes, hey, Holly, Jay. How's it going? Really great, Bob. Good to hear you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your piece this week about Adam Scott and his recovery before we start talking about Bridgestone. Yeah, well, you know, I think everybody was a little bit curious to see how he's doing. Um, you know, to, to lose a major in that fashion, um, as you guys have been talking about there, um, you know, four-shot lead with four to go, both your last four holes, you lose by one. You know, that, that's pretty devastating. It, it could it could really ruin you, but... Um, you know, he seems to be handling it pretty well. He, uh, he's honest about how how things went down and feels like he's playing well. I mean, I think that's the thing to take out of it. It's not like he he shot 75 by hitting it all over the place. He shot 75 with bogeys on the last four holes. And he's pretty in control of that tournament for 68 holes. And seems to be looking at it that way, like he's played playing well. Why can't I keep playing well? And Let's go after it here again. And with that in mind, and hi, Jay Golden here, and, and uh, 
they're playing at Firestone this this uh, this week. And Firestone, Bob, have you ever seen a golf course that the holes parallel each other so frequently, just up and down, up and down, up and down? No, I mean it is pretty amazing how this place is laid out. I mean, it really is, you know, back and forth, back and forth, um, kind of old style. You know, uh, not not a whole lot of tricks out there. It's, um, you know, I, I think there's a reason why Tiger's done well here over the years. It's, um, you know, just kind of a straightforward golf course that's uh, that's not easy if you're not playing very well, but. Um, you know, certainly has really good greens. And obviously, you know, they played a major championship here back in the 70s. Jack Nicholas won a PGA here. No, you're right. It's very unusual these days to see a design that's, that's in this manner. Tiger, having won seven times at uh, Bridgestone, he's got to be salivating for this one, especially as it uh, becomes a warm-up for the PGA championship at uh, Kiwa next week, Bob. Yeah, I mean, until the last two years with you almost really have to throw those out. Um, I mean, his record here was just incredible. I mean, seven wins, and I don't think he'd ever been out of the top ten uh, since 1999. In fact, it might have been all top five. I mean, last year he was it was his first tournament uh, that he uh, coming back after the injury. You know, he had hurt himself the Masters, tried to play his players, and only played nine holes. This was his first tournament back. So we're a year removed from that. He didn't play very well, but that's sort of to be expected. And the year before, 2010, is sort of when he hit rock bottom. That was when, um, you know, his world was sort of in, in chaos, and uh, he was without a swing coach, and things were just really about as bad as they, they could get in his golf game. And it was a week later that he went went uh, went to Sean Foley at the PGA. So. But other than that, I mean, when Tiger's playing well, this golf course has obviously been, been perfect for him, and I think that's the key. It doesn't matter how much you like the course, you got to be hitting it nicely. And I think we've seen he's been, been playing pretty well here this summer. Uh, his tie for third at the British Open was his highest finish in a major in three years. So uh, if he's got his game together, I would, I would think it would be surprising for him to not be in contention here. What is your personal opinion about today's equipment? Because... Firestone used to be one of the longest, most challenging courses on the PGA Tour. People would hit driver forward, driver three iron. If you bombed it, driver five iron. But there was no room to lengthen it because of, uh, you know, the amount of land they had. But today, amazingly, on some of these holes that used to be driver three iron is now driver eight iron, driver wedge, and and I don't think that the swing speed is that much more than it used to be. Do you have a personal feeling about what the equipment is doing today and how it's changing these great courses? Sure, I mean that's a, I think it's a great example of of what's going on with with the golf ball. I mean I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, large club heads on drivers and. You know, the shaft, all that stuff is better, but the golf ball just goes so much farther. And, yeah, I think these guys are in better condition, but you, you, your point's well taken. I'm not sure that their swing speeds are that much more than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago, but they can rip at it now and know that it's not going to go sideways like it used to. Um, the sweet spot on these clubs is so much bigger. You don't have to be as exact 
uh, with the driver. You can hit it out on the on the toe and still get it out there, and you might you might hit it straight. Uh, whereas back in the day, you know, if you mishit it, it was going in the rough. Um, there was so much more of a premium on being a good driver. That Greg Norman and Greg Price, uh, excuse me, Greg Norman and Nick Price, those guys were unbelievable at hitting a persimmon driver on the sweet side. That's um, that, that art is sort of gone now. You don't have to be that good. And this is a golf course. I mean, next week it's going to be 7,600 yards to steal one. It's the only way that the, the powers that be can feel that they can combat uh, uh, technology. And obviously I, there's been a lot of people who commented on that. Uh, it's probably not the way to go. It's, uh, it, it, it would have been so much easier to just rein in the golf ball and not let it go as far. Well, speaking of Kiowa, Bob, uh, certainly a win at Bridgestone would be great for Tiger, but we all know it's all about majors for him. And what do you think uh, it's going to take for Tiger to win at Kiowa? And, you know, does the course set up for him? I think that's the, the question. Uh, that actually came up today. I actually asked Tiger how he, how he felt the course suited him because uh, he was there yesterday. And it's the only time he's played it. He had never been there before and talked about how long it is, um, uh, how difficult it can play with wind, although he didn't have a, a windy day. Um, I get the sense that he feels like he needs more work on that course to get comfortable. And, uh, I, you know, Golf Digest rates Kiowa, the ocean course, is the hardest course in the U.S. Hmm. And depending, depending on how they set it up, you know, it could be brutal. The weather's supposed to be hot. Um, if you get wind, which is very possible, uh, especially crosswind, uh, it, it, it can be quite the stout test. And you know, I think in Tiger's case, probably the harder the better. I think he still he hits the ball. His ball striking is as good as just about anybody out there. Uh, and when it doesn't become about putting, um, you know, he's going to be right there. I think, uh, as Jay mentioned earlier. On some you know faster greens, I, I think he, he can really play better. He couldn't get the ball to the hole uh, at Royal Lisbon. He kept leaving putts short. So uh, a lot of it's still going to be based on the conditions. That's a really tough back nine at Kiowa. It's going to be interesting to see. It's not a golf course that a lot of people have played, and and who is suits at this point? I think is really hard to determine. Bob, uh, I know that you haven't picked one winner in the last ten years, but but this. Uh... This week at, at at Bridgestone at Firestone, if you were going to bet uh, twenty five cents, who would you put your money on? Well, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think I have picked a winner in ten years. Uh, uh, actually, I have had a couple here, but you know, yes, he has. If you, really? If yes. You were talking. It is really kind of throwing darts these days. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, you know the, the majors now we've had sixteen different winners, sixteen straight majors. Uh, you know, we have guys coming out of nowhere to win tournaments, guys with long leads. You know, Scott Pierce, wins last week. I mean, if I'm going to put 25 cents down this week, I kind of like Graham McDowell. That's who I picked in my wow. thing on ESPN.com just because he's been playing nicely. And I think the pressure is off at this tournament a little bit, even though it's a World Golf Championship event. And it's just not the same as a major. Uh, so, you know, for what it's worth, I, I went with him. I mean, certainly Tiger is, is one that you pick here if he's playing well because of his record. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a lot of guys. You just get in nowadays, and, and now you've got a chance. And, uh, 
uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was somebody that's obscure. And there are some obscure guys in this field. Yeah, we got a pretty packed field. Um, of course, Adam Scott will be there and Ernie Els. Um, and, you know, a host of uh, players we've been seeing week to week, Zach Johnson, Matt Kuchar, of course, Bubba Watson, and uh, Lee Westwood and Luke Donald back again to see um, what, what their games are looking like. Yeah, Rory's playing. I mean, everybody's here, everybody in the top 50, but Webb Simpson, uh, whose wife just had a baby. Uh, you know, the U.S. Open champion, he can play at the British Open either, and he's skipping this week. Uh, but everybody else uh, who is top 50 in the world, plus more than that, is, I think the field is 77. And, uh, you know, it's a great tune-up for next week, even though the golf courses are nothing similar. But it, it does bring these guys together. That's, the, that's sort of the point of these world golf events, still playing. Uh, you know, there's, there's, there's sort of questions for everybody. You know, Rory's trying to get back on track after a really shaky summer. And, you know, Ernie's on the high of winning another major. You know, does he, does he get it right back in gear so that he can go after another major next week at the PGA? Uh, lots of good possibilities for stories this week, for sure. Here's, here's my pick. I want to see what you think. If I had a buck, I'll up the ante from uh, my friend here, Jay Golden, and it was my last buck in a little bit uh, of a, of a outside the box. I'm going for Bo Van Pelt. What's going to give for him? This guy's got seven top tens, including last week's tied for seventh in Canada. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he went down the stretch with Tiger in Washington. Uh, you know, it's the, uh, the beginning of last month, and... Uh, He's a guy who puts himself there a lot, just hasn't got it done very often. And um, But I, I don't have a problem with that pick. You know, uh, uh, a guy who's been playing a lot and playing well, why not? Because it's a golf course that even though it's not as demanding as it used to be, it's still tough if you miss these fairways. I mean, it's, um, it's not easy. The scoring is never typically very low here. So, um, yeah, why not? I... I uh, that would not surprise me to see Bo Van Pell up there. And uh, before we let you go, Bob, the next two weeks are critical in terms of the Ryder Cup picture and selections for the U.S. team. How do you see this shaping up and uh, who Davis Love may announce as his captain picks? Yeah, you're right. This is the last two weeks. It ends with the PGA, the top eight after next week, uh, are automatically on the team and for the U.S. And then there's a couple more weeks before he picks his four guys. Uh, there's some big names that are out of the top eight right now. Uh, Jim Furyk is not in there. Neither is Steve Stricker. Neither is Ricky Fowler, who who um, was a pretty pretty strong player at the last Ryder Cup for the U.S. Um, and there could be some volatility here because there's big money this week. And next week, there's big money in a major, and then they double the point. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Still has slipped to seventh in the point standing, uh, and and possibly could fall out if, if the right things were to happen. So then what happens? Um, you know, I'm of the opinion that you use the captain's picks on veteran guys, uh, guys who have been there. As long as they're you know, they haven't fallen off the map in terms of their play, you know, you're going to have rookies on the team who make it. Jason Duffner's in there. Uh, Webb Simpson does not have a lot of experience. You know, he played in the President's Cup last year. Uh, but it, it, 
me, you go with some of these old hands. Furyk, Stricker, guys who can putt. Brant Snedeker's outside the top eight, but the guy can putt, and that has been a weakness of the U.S. in the Ryder Cup. I think they want to have a guy who can putt the ball. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. There's a lot of good guys, a lot of deserving guys, and obviously not everybody's going to be in there. Sure is, and it's hard to believe we're... Uh, a week away from the last major of the year, and then, of course, the Ryder Cup at the end of September. So we've got a lot more golf to talk about. But as always, Bob Herrick, ESPN.com, we appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you at Kiowa next week, Bob. Great. Thanks a lot. Take Go care. get him. All right. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 1080 ESPN. We'll be right back. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up next. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blue. We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Jay Golden, sitting in for Rich B while Rich is uh, taking a little R&R. R- what does that stand for? Um, ribbing and <laughs> ribs, <laughs> ribs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Jay Golden been out uh, teaching at Winter Winter Pines, Pines Golf Course, one of our great courses right over in Winter Park, four thirty six, and uh, home of uh, the Golden Burger. <laughs> and Jay, if uh, people are interested in working on their game, how can they get in touch with you and check out your website? Well, you could go to Jay Golden PGA at AOL.com, jgoldenpga at AOL.com. If you go to YouTube or Google and put in jgoldenpga, I look at it every day, and you can't believe the star that I think I am. Yes, we know this. <laughs> but it's a rising star. It's been rising for years. The part I can't understand is that I'm at the height of my career and totally unknown. That's the part that gets me. It happens in the golf business, but we got a guy coming up next. He is not unknown. He He is the big dog of one of our best publications in golf, based right here in Orlando. He's a big dog? He is the big dog. He is the vice president and editor of Golf Week magazine and golfweek.com. Used to be at the Orlando Sentinel, but you know, then he became a big dog. It's Jeff Babino. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Hey, we're doing great. Um, Bad, doing terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having to having to sit here and uh, take uh, take Jay's bad jokes. He, but- he roots for the Boston Bruins. Come on, he thinks Bobby Orr was good, but he couldn't even skate in a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah, Jay. Uh, you know, I whenever I go to a golf tournament and see Jay, I got to be on my toes. I get a body <laughs> check somewhere as I leave the media center. That's right. I'm going to get my back rearranged. Okay. Yeah. Since you told me you had a bad back, I didn't do it. But you played some ice hockey in your life, didn't you? I did. Where? I did. Where? Sport. I was a Cape Codder. I was up there in uh, New England when the, the uh, we had our minor league team, the Cape Cod Cubs, used to take on those those uh, horrible Long Island ducks. No, no wonder his golf swing looks like a slap shot. <laughs> it should. It explains everything, Babs. Shot. It should. Total slap shot, no doubt. Hey, give us, under the wind. give us a quick rundown on this Scott Piercy, who uh, won, outlasted the rest on Sunday and, and won the RBC. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Robert Garrigus thought that was his tournament to win, but Piercy's one of those guys who, who you know, hangs around. He won this week last year when the rest of the guys were in Akron, and he's got a nice, solid golf game, and he's one of those guys, a quiet guy, you know, you just see at the end of these fields, and 
And when you wander out and watch some other guys play, uh, you realize the depth of talent out there. So, you know, here's a guy with a couple tour wins now and, and really starting to get something going. But, uh, yeah, he's got, he's got a nice game. And, and it's all about, you know, breaking through and getting some wins and getting some confidence going to get to these big tournaments. Yeah, and sometimes we overlook a few of these tournaments in between the majors, especially as we get towards the end of the season, Jeff. But this was big time for these guys because, you know, they basically got them a, a, a seat there at the at the PGA Championship next week. Yeah, you really, you get the PGA coming up and then the positioning for the playoffs. So it's a big time. I mean, it's a tough, you know, I, I saw Troy Madison playing this week and I'm thinking, man, I don't know when that guy's been off. You know, he, he went to he went to John Deere kind of having a so-so year and all of a sudden earned a spot at the Open Championship and went to Canada and played okay. And, you know, he's just on a run. And if you get on a run, this is the time of year to do it because you need to move up those uh, standings in the playoffs and, and uh, you know, add some zeros to those big checks at year's end. Jeff, one of the things that's said about majors is to identify the best player. That's one of the things the USGA talks a lot about at the U.S. Open. And if that's true, what do you, in relation to Tiger using one driver, uh, hitting one driver one of the rounds and two, and uh, do you think that someone is worthy of winning a major if they cannot hit a driver? Well, no, I mean, to your point, I like to, I like to be at major venues that test the entire game. Um, but it amazes me. I mean, when he, he goes to these places that aren't so long, as Southern Hills, for instance, you know, when he went there and, and he's playing approach shots from where everybody else is playing approach shots and uh, still laps the field by six shots. So, uh, you know, his strategy was a little suspect at Royal Lytham. I, I kind of was, was mixed on it. It got him in position on Sunday, which is a huge goal. But it just seemed like, whatever scores he was shooting, when he was shooting 67 out there, he was pretty much maximizing what he could shoot. So, uh, you know, it's it's a, a conservative approach, and it got him in position on Sunday, but it didn't pay off in the end. As always, Golf Week covers it very deep week to week, Jeff, and one of the topics you've been following closely is the um, upcoming potential ban on anchoring your putter, which they're going to meet the USGA and the RNA in September. And how do you think this is going to play out? Yeah, you know, I got one of those things a few years ago, and then I couldn't fit it in my travel bag. So <laughs> I gave up on it quick. But I think it's just a really difficult issue. It's, uh, I feel badly for these guys out there who are using them right now. They're perfectly legal as, as the rules stand. And it's like, you know, you're doing something dirty or, you know, undermining the game um and, and it's a tough deal i mean i i do think it it kind of minimizes the nerves sometimes on on a sunday but at the uh on the other side of it is it's keeping people in the game i i played golf with a guy in texas one time he was a really good player two handicapped who quit golf for 25 years because he had the yips so you know for us everyday slaps i kind of like the idea of anything kind of making the game a little easier and making it more fun but at the pro level, they really have to dig down and, and define anchoring and, uh, and go from there on what they're going to do to legislate it. There are a number of things that seem like they're questionable whether they should be legal, and, and I think there's a good point on both sides in terms of anchoring putters. But another one that I would like you to comment on, I think that 
a big part of uh, ability in golf and shot making is how to aim, that you're able to aim in the direction that you want to aim, and it's not easy to do that. What do you think about a, a caddy standing behind a player, whether they're putting or hitting an iron, and saying, okay, you're, you're aiming correctly now, and then they step away? Yeah, I don't like that either, Jay. I don't, I don't like that. You see a lot of that on the LPGA Tour. You know, a player sits there and lines up with a caddy behind. Um, yeah, to me, it's you know, it's an individual game. And, and you're, you're out there, you know, obviously you have a caddy out there helping you. There's some support there. There's some yardages and, and basics. But uh, in the end, it's, it's, a, it's an individual who pulls the trigger on it. And I don't like it when they're getting lined up on a green or behind a, a drive. And uh, I, don't, I don't enjoy that part of it myself. Well, speaking of which, um in terms of your your story on Adam Scott this week and his uh, recovering from his bit of a demise at the British, uh, was there a little something going on there between he and Stevie Williams? Of course, um, you know, they're still relatively new, working together, uh, talked about that, you know, they looked at kind of uh, what they needed to learn from this experience, and what, 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 did, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, supposedly the two of them caught up, you know, in the off week and, and kind of kicked it around a bit. Uh, Steve Williams is a competitor, too. I mean, he's out there, and I'm sure that uh, that finish didn't sit. I know it didn't sit very well with him. I watched him leave. He looked like he wanted to punch a hole through somebody. And uh, you Sometimes know, he, he looks more, more like a player <laughs> than uh, a caddy. Oh, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think it, he, you could make a case he was more bothered by it, by uh, you know, than Adam was. Uh, but... You know, I, I'm sure, I think he's brought some fire to Adam Scott's game, and I think that was evidence that he needs to bring more fire. Um, yeah, it's part of pro golf today. You can fall short like that and walk away with a check for $850,000, and things aren't terrible. Uh, but, you know, these guys who truly want to be the great players out there want the trophies, and, and you got to have the internal fire to do that, and I think, you know, it's somewhere within with, with Adam Scott. You don't see it on the outside. But I think Steve Williams will help bring that to the forefront a little bit more. I know that uh, there have been some great interviews after someone has a bad round or, or loses a tournament at the end. You know, Phil with his famous lines, I'm not going to beat myself up. And, and McElroy after shooting, I think it was 80 in the final round of the Masters and hitting that unbelievable shot on drive on number 10. The last round, but I heard some of the interviews uh, with Adam Scott, and personally, I've never heard better, uh, more logical, intelligent, looking at what happened and what's going to the future than Adam Scott. Do you feel that way? Yeah, you know, I mean, everyone left Royal Lytham thinking, wow, that is, that, it's definitely one classic kid, and, and we thought that going in as well, and and as you say, you know, you do see character in defeat a lot of times. I mean, as great a winner as Jack Nicholas was, he was a gracious loser. Uh, and, and you saw that with Greg Norman. And, I mean, to me, some of the most memorable majors are those collapses and how the Greg Normans of the world and, and uh, Van Develds and these guys handled the aftermath of, of bad things happening on Sundays at majors. So, you know, we did see that with Adam Scott. And, and he, he's a classy kid. He's, he... Um, he cares, you know. It's, you know, I think a lot of people thought it just kind of fell off his back, and he got on the plane to Switzerland, and, and all is good. But uh, it's it's a tough deal. It's tough to get in that position. You don't get in that position often, 
And when you do and you, and you kind of drop the jug, that's it's a tough one to swallow. Well, and I think Rory certainly won over a ton of fans last year, the way he handled it at uh, his tender age, a few years younger than Adam Scott. Uh, you know, he just showed great poise, I thought, in that moment. Yeah, agreed. And, and Greg Norman will tell you uh, winning that Masters, or you know, had he won the Masters the year that Faldo you know, came from behind and beat him, it, it would not have impacted his life as much as, losing it did and uh you know that's that's how defeat is handled and you can earn a lot of fans in those moments like that by handling it with a lot of class and and adam certainly did that and you never know what's going to happen i think that one example of someone losing and afterwards losing a lot of confidence and and winning a lot less afterwards was arnold palmer at olympic when he had a, a big lead and billy casper caught him on that back nine and and after that, Arnold Palmer was really never the same, and I don't know if that was the reason. It possibly contributed to it. But do you think that a big defeat can actually hurt someone? Oh, for sure. I mean, Adam Scott, you know, he, he said today in Akron, I mean, the one thing he learned was that he definitely uh, has the tools to win a major. That's what he left Roy Lytham thinking. But I would have thought he, he believed that a couple of years ago when he made the good Sunday run at the Masters and, Charles Schwartz will beat him with four birdies. So, uh, you know, I I do think it definitely can hurt your confidence. I mean, he's going to get in the hunt with three holes to play at another major and wonder if he has what it takes. You know, he didn't show it at Royal Lytham. I'm sure he's, uh, you know, just dying to get that chance again. But you know, if he doesn't do it next week, you got to wait eight months for that chance to come around again. Looking ahead to Kiowa and the PGA Championship next week, Jeff, who uh... – Who's, who's your favorite? I mean, there's so much parity. I think it's just hard. It's, you know, with 16 winners and the last 16 majors, 16 different names, there's so much depth and parity. I mean, I was just looking at the world rankings today, and you know, in the top 10 in the world, six of those guys don't have a major. Uh, and if you take, Tiger, you take Tiger out of there, and there's no one else with more than one. So um, there's a lot of depth out there, and these guys are, you know, there's a deep feel at the PGA. It, doesn't get the respect it probably deserves for its its quality and its depth. Uh, it's always a really great field there, and and it's not going to surprise me to see a Matt Kuchar or Justin Rose or somebody who has yet to win a major jump up and win one there. All right, Babs. Well, we appreciate you spending some time with us. You're a busy guy and uh, for, and a great writer. He's for, editing. Well, forget the editing. You. You're the greatest writer ever. And uh, check thank out you. Golf Week. Golfweek.com for the, the best coverage week to week in our business. Thanks, Vice Babs. President. Well, you're two of my favorite people. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Go we'll get talk him, to Tim. you soon. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, 1080 ESPN Orlando. Stay with us. We have more golf talk coming up next. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back, the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G, along with our special guest tonight, Jay Golden. Hello. PGA professional. Oh, yeah. Extraordinaire. Maybe. Hey, we're going to go to... An extraordinary writer. We get the best here at the Golf Insiders. He's our very own from the Orlando Sentinel, Jeff Shane. Hey, Jeff. How are you? 
Awesome, my friend. Hey, Jeff. He's back from across the pond. He's now in Akron. He's a mover and a shaker. I guess. Give us the lowdown, Jeff. What's <laughs> happening up there at the Bridgestone? Well, you know, it's been kind of a slow week. I, I think it's just a little bit of the positioning in the schedule because uh, we had Tiger, uh, Adam Scott, and Graham McDowell all over Kiowa yesterday. That was the place to be. Uh, getting a look at uh, where we're, what we're going to see over uh, for the PGA Championship next week. So things only kind of started picking up uh, a little bit today. I was, you know, for a World Golf Championships event, you know, kind of that, you know, second tier right under the major event, it was pretty quiet around here for the first couple of days. Well, um, explain exactly the World Golf Championship um, as it's defined, will you, Jeff? Because I think a lot of people are a little confused about what all the WGC events are about. Especially Holly. <laughs> it would well, be Jay. I, he asked me this question earlier. Okay. Well, if you go back 10 years, I guess maybe 15 years, 20 years ago, when there was talk about forming kind of a world golf tour, Greg Norman kind of started that idea. Uh, back in his heyday, about trying to uh, create a format, create a venue, really, uh, platform that the best golfers in the world could come together more often. And this was at a time where there really wasn't a lot of cross-pollination. The, the European tour stars, the, the Faldos and, and Sevies of the world, kind of stayed on the European tour. And then the American tour guys, the PGA tour guys, uh, would play over here, and there wasn't uh, a lot of opportunity to bring them together outside of the major championships. So uh, Greg Norman started floating this idea, hey, you know, let's take the world rankings and create some events uh, and call it the World Golf Tour and, and create this platform to bring the, the uh, top golfers in the world together more often. And, of course, you know, the PGA Tour hears that and, and they understand that this is kind of a threat to uh, what they've created. Uh, in their schedule, and they certainly don't want the top names bolting however many times a year. I think it was going to be like a 12-event schedule or something like that, uh, bolting 12 times a year to, to go play these bigger events. And so uh, Tim Fincham, uh, in a very shrewd move, uh, went to some of the movers and shakers that were affiliated with the tour and said, let's, let's create another level of, uh, of event here, kind of on the same level as the Players' Championship, not majors, but not a regular tour event. We'll call them World Golf Championships, and we'll create qualifying criteria that allows the top 50 in the world to get together and compete, along with various other qualifying criteria. Here, you know, members of last year's President's Cup team get in, uh, no matter what their world ranking is or whether they've won anything recently. And, and uh, they uh, unveiled that. Gee, it's been, what, 13 years ago, 14 years ago? 1999 was the debut of the World Golf Championship Series. But in a way, is this much ado about nothing? Uh, yes and no. I mean, considering that there has been in the last decade a lot bigger cross-pollination, uh, particularly of the European tour players coming over here, now you can go to Wells Fargo over uh, you know, at Quail Hollow in Charlotte and see just as good a field as you're going to see uh, at this World Golf Championships event. The only difference is is that uh, really because of the $8 million purse, everybody's going to play the World Golf Championships event, especially being that there's no cut and you're guaranteed a paycheck. Guaranteed paychecks. We like that, don't you, Jay Golden? Well, I do, but also uh, 
the great Jeff Shane from the Sentinel, who who writes fantastic articles about golf, is the f- just set a golf record by using being the first writer to ever use the phrase cross-pollination in relation to golf. And I would like to be the first to congratulate you on that, Jeff. Well, uh, cross-pollination. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that you know, those, those nights with the thesaurus are starting <laughs> to pay off. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, again, you were mentioning the top 50 uh, come to the WGC events, and this is a packed field. Uh, how do you see it shaping up for this week? Uh, this one has always been kind of odd because it's right before the PGA, and so you're never really quite sure whether somebody's playing to win uh, or and and you know take advantage of you know a darn good purse and and uh, a limited field and and play to win this, or whether you're just trying to get ready for the event that's going to put you in the history books if you win the major next week. And of course, Tiger's won seven of these things, seven. 13 years, I guess, is the, is the proper number. So he's already claimed half of these things. So, you know, this, this was always known as Tiger's ATM up until about 2009. Uh, and now we've had a little bit of an opportunity to see other winners. Hunter Mahan won it two years ago, and, and Adam Scott had the big win last year. Uh, so we're starting to see more winners. But, gee, for the longest time, if there was one event on the PGA Tour that you – that, that you were going to say, Tiger is definitely going to win this event. Put your futures bet down on this. You'd say Bridgestone. Absolutely, and um, I I bet you eat a lot of PB and J sandwiches. You're a you're a safe better there, Mister Shane. <laughs> hey, let's look at um, uh, another player from Central Florida that I know Jay Golden has worked with, and you filed Rod Perry from Daytona Beach. Yes, yeah, he's uh, he. Uh, is doing well uh, in the, uh, or he has done well in the in the PGA uh, Club Professional. What, what what's what's the official yeah, title it's called of that the, now? The They've club club professional tournament, and and a couple weeks ago he came and he tied for second, which got him into a PGA member, Central Florida. He's going to be playing in the PGA Championship, as you know, the PGA of America runs the PGA Championship, and he'll be there. He's a lefty. He's a good player. Uh, have you followed him much? He, I know that he played at Bay Hill and Disney a couple of times. Do you know much about his game? I really don't. I mean, I follow scores. Uh, you know, try and keep an eye on on the on the PGA. Uh, chapter and, and, and section stuff, but I I can't say that I've ever seen him hit a shot. Now, when I get to Kiowa next week, I'm, I, I definitely want to get a chance to go say hello to him and and you know put together you know a little blog post about uh, being able to to play you know in a major championship. But uh, uh, at this point, I really have not had the chance to meet up with him. Yeah, most recently uh, last year when I was working with Steve Marino. Uh, at at Bay Hill, uh, Rod Perry. I was, you know, he, he, we talked a little bit, and I was watching him putt, and and he had this big long stroke on short putts and decelerating a little, and and I said to him, uh, hit the ball hard a short distance, and he took a little firmer stroke, and he really liked that. In fact, I spoke to him just before the radio show today, and he still said to me, yes, Jay, hit the ball hard a short distance. So if you want to kid around and just have a little intro to him, uh, you might mention that to him. Yeah, I did. I saw where he got into the field uh, at Reno uh, for for this week. Uh, 
it's it's interesting. You take a look at the at the list of players in, players out over at Reno. Uh, they, they the turnover there has been something fierce. Uh, but but Steve did get uh, did get a late slot in there, and maybe that's. Uh, Maybe that's a tournament where he can make a little hay and get back to where he was a year and a half ago. Well, we might mention, uh, as we turn to quickly, Jeff, we've got uh, just a few minutes for uh, a little short tonight because of uh, baseball. But um, Freddie Couples winning the Senior British Championship. And, boy, what, uh, what, what a setup we've got coming for the Ryder Cup with Davis Love, captain, playing as well as he has been this year. And you've got Freddie as his assistant. And how do you see things shaping up? We're just two weeks away from from uh, the Ryder Cup selection? Well, I think that we've, we, we've got a much better group for the, uh, for the Cup now than, than perhaps we thought two years ago after uh, uh, getting beat uh, again, you know, with, with, with uh, Graham McDowell taking that, that final match. But uh, I think you're going you're, you're gonna to definitely see some newer faces. This is kind of that transition time now where we're going to have uh, the guys like Webb Simpson, and Keegan Bradley, although Keegan right now is uh, just beyond the bubble. Uh, the top eight automatic qualifiers will be named back to the PGA, and right now Keegan is in the number nine slot. Uh, Webb Simpson uh, is almost definite to make the team. I, I think Jason Duffner is on that list to make the team. We're going to see some new blood uh, in that group, and it may take, you know, let, let's be honest, it may take uh, a Ryder Cup to kind of get these guys acclimated to the kind of pressure that uh, you see in that type of competition. But uh, I think it, as a group, uh, it's going to be a good group that we can go into the next decade with. Well, it's going to be exciting. Uh, the PGA Championship, our fourth major next week, and the Ryder Cup, the end of September. We've got a lot of golf left to go. And as always, Jeff Shane giving us great stuff. And, and um, we look forward to reading your articles in the Sentinel. Always appreciate it. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Take care now. Bye. All right. So uh, that's it, Jay Golden. A few parting words as uh, Why, we go the into baseball, the... Baseball. We have five more minutes. Baseball. Hey, you know, that's the way it goes. And it's a great game. All right. We want to thank all our golf insiders tonight. Jeff Babineau from Golf Week. Bob Herrick from ESPN.com. Jeff Shane from the Sentinel. And Antoine behind the glass oh, yeah. doing a great job. Thanks, Antoine. Oh, yeah. Thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back next week. Keep swinging.